Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You are at your favorite spot, a versatile spot, a place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. This is the sports edition. Oh, yeah, it's very different. I love this. We are going to talk about this new phenomenon, pickleball. And I am going to talk to a pickleball coach and uh, enthusiast because I'm telling you, Brains, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little annoyed because I am a tennis player. And when <laughs> I went to play tennis, I still got on my tennis clothes. Uh, there was pickleball players everywhere. Now, a little bit about Maureen Keller. She is a lifelong athlete focusing on wellness and growth who found her passion for pickleball during an international symposium for tennis coaches in February of 2019. Miriam loves, her love for tennis has transformed her into an obsession for pickleball. So we want to see what the contrast is, but we want to see what the difference is. We want to look at the age range of people because everybody's playing it, but I'm seeing more mature people playing the pickleball than the younger people who's still doing that long swing for tennis. That's me. So let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Marion? I'm doing wonderful, April. I'm so excited to be here and talk about my passion, pickleball. I'm excited about it too. I love different shows and this is definitely different. You know, we've done some other athletics, uh, you know, basketball, women's basketball, a little bit of football, boxing, but we've never done pickleball. So dial back and tell us a little bit about where pickleball came from and how it found you. Well, see, pickleball started in 1965 when uh, Joel Pritchard and his friend uh, Bill um, Bell came back from a golf um, game and came home to uh, Mr. Pritchard's um, home estate uh, on Bainbridge Island in Washington State. And they found the kids just, you know, being bored. And so um, they're like, what can we do? You know, get those youngins moving, get the family together and have some fun together, right? So they went to the garage and pulled out what they had in there. And at home, they had a badminton court already under premises. And they pulled out a net, which, you know, you can play badminton with or you can play tennis with when you lowered it. And then also they had paddles, ping pong paddles, and they had one of those, you know, funny looking uh, pickle balls now, uh, but wiffle balls or plastic balls before. And they started playing and they involved the whole family and they came up with new rules and, and having fun. And a week later, they got so into it, they um, invited their friend, uh, Barney McCollum. And, uh, you know, he's like, this is a great game. Uh, what do you want to do with it? What are you going to call it? And so... um. You know, the, the name pickleball was born. I think it's kind of like a mixture of, you know, together when you row, you have different different team members. And uh, so they called it pickleball, right? Um, so it's a hybrid sport, really. And that's the key of it, just because mm -hmm. it's a hybrid sport. And so 
it's played on a pickleball um badminton court which is like um so that's the, that's well, the picture of them okay you see that in the background brains yeah right there on the background there right like in the background that courts. is a pickleball court now again yes why yes. i got crunchy is because what they did is they took my they cut my uh tennis court right in the middle it looks like a smaller version of a tennis game or like when you're playing doubles when you're playing doubles and you have the two front people the two first people then that's what it looks like but it actually encompasses what four people on a court at one time that's you can play singles so it's like you know in tennis singles one on each side or you can do doubles and a lot of people do either female doubles male doubles or mixed doubles um so the court really is smaller in size and so it's 20 feet long it has a seven foot line, which is to no volley zone that the red one you see in the back, it's a no volley zone. So you can step in and kind of lift the ball over the net, but you can't spike it or hit a volley over it when you're standing physically in that part. So that becomes a fast game as well as the whole court is um, 22 feet out of 20 feet. Uh, so it's 44 by 20. So basically, you know, I know you're a tennis player, but you could take like three um pick up all courts and put it on one tennis court um, and I know you like your tennis and I am a tennis pro as well I like tennis as well um but I played it one time like I said and I was hooked and I can tell you all about why I got hooked well I want to go back a little bit to your athleticism you have been an athlete for a long time and tell them originally where you come from because she's incorporated uh, and learn that southern accent and that drawl. But where are you from originally? I love it. I think it's so. Uh, so originally, I uh, was born and raised in Germany. I moved to the states in 1991. Moved back to Europe in 1996, and back to the states in 1998. So I've been traveling around the globe a couple times. Um, I live close to Switzerland. Um, I travel a lot to uh, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and here along the states. So uh, I call the States home now for the last uh, almost 25 years. And um, I think when we first started to talk, you were going on a big trip and you were to yes. mama. Did you go? Yes, a uh, big birthday bash. Mom turned 80 and uh, we whisked her away to a spa town in Austria and had a fantastic time. She had yes. a good time. Oh, Absolutely. Good. Well, tell her I said happy birthday. Yeah, I remember that you were planning for that a big trip. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So you uh, you traveled across the country. Were you a professional athlete there or did you have a different career? And uh, um, athletics was something that you did on the side? Well, I always was into sports. I played 25 years of, pick, uh, of uh, volleyball uh, prior to uh, playing some soccer, uh, doing some swimming, a little triathlon. Then I turned into tennis Tennis was my my new my new gig, and I got really really good at it, and I was becoming certified to teach it. Um, and then you know with the national international symposium with all the different countries, I think we had 128 uh, countries from all over the world um, doing some training in tennis to 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 promote the newest the newest of the newest in tennis. Um, they brought up the the pickleball part. So I always have been an athlete. Um, I was close to national level um, a couple of times. However, 
I never made it my main income. Um, I always had a second second calling, the second passion. I'm an occupational therapist uh, by heart. And so that was my first love. And so I have been a therapist for over 35 years. All right. So let's see how all that merges together. That leads into my next question. Sports and sports injuries. They are no joke. I'm a football fan. I look at basketball, track and field, tennis. And I see these people that get these major injuries, like they tear their Achilles heel or Achilles tendon, or they pull a growing muscle, or they dislocate a shoulder. Well, I have had some injuries myself, and uh, I did my own research um, what the quickest response was and what the best outcome was since I'm a therapist. So I analyze movement, right? I do the whole body, um, body, mind, and spirit. And so a lot of my focus is prevention. So in my teachings all along, prevention is the key, right? You want to have fun, but you want to prevent injuries. And there's simple things you can do to prevent injuries. Now, does it guarantee you that you never get an injury? No, really. But with certain steps in place, you really can avoid a lot. And then if there is an injury, there are many steps to take based on newest research um, to have a shorter recovery time. Well, I went to the training camp of the Dallas Cowboys and I saw that ice bath. Girl, I just, <laughs> I just shivered when I looked at it. And they submerged themselves and they look forward to it. They yes. said that, that is one of the quickest ways to restore the muscles is just like, you know, shock them. That, yes. And then you see, um, and again, this is just very general, but you'll see a football player get injured, go to that uh, locker room, come back. He's taped up, probably injected with something. And right back on the field, that does additional damage. How do people recover from that? I mean, you know, I have a slip and fall and I'm down for weeks. Well, I think you have to think about it. You know, there have been training a long time, right? Their muscles, their tendons, everything is really in top form. So when they do an injury, you know, they have the top uh, therapists there with them, the top doctors with them, the newest, the newest gadgets, the newest gadgets you might not even have heard about, right? Mm -hmm. So they really can do a quick analysis to see if it's safe for the player to play or not. And so if it's safe for the player to play, um, then they do everything to stabilize that injury to make that player play for the rest of the game or whatever time that is. And I believe that's that's one thing in my course too. I always stay up with the newest research, the newest of procedures, right? So if there is an injury, you can say, good, this is this, this isn't happening. You have to slow down, you have to get off the court, you know, you can't play any further. Or yes, we can tape it, uh, you know, we can ice it, we can do certain things with that injury. So yes, you can play a certain time. And I think that's where it comes where you have to have professionals giving you the best advice. Well, I have a friend that is in the stem cell industry and mm -hmm. they're doing a lot of work with uh, repairing of muscles and tendons and all that with stem cell research. That's on the cutting edge in sports medicine too. A lot of uh, time, energy, scientific, scientific research 
mathematics, you know, uh, go into this. So I thank you so much for what you're doing. But I'm also hearing that there's a lot of injuries that people are sustaining in pickleball. Now I'm sitting there watching them play in Venice Beach. Very competitive people. I mean, it's not just <laughs> like, I mean, it's not just a little like paddle ball or ping pong. They are going all in and they're very fast paced. I had yeah. never seen it played like that before. I just seen people, you know, with the little wiffle ball and they were okay. These people were very aggressive. What are some of the things that the people or some of the injuries that you've seen people sustain and could possibly avoid? Is it not having the right shoes? Is it stepping? Is it moving too fast, reaching too fast? What are some of the, the, the hiccups? Well, personally, I always believe safety first, right? So as a therapist, I always look at prevention. So yes, you're correct. You want to have the, the best shoes. So they're outdoor shoes and indoor shoes. A lot of people don't think about the shoe being very, very important, but the sole of your shoe needs to be a tennis profile, right? So if you're playing- Okay, so you were speaking a little bit about lateral movement. Yes, yeah, so lateral movement happens a lot because you're on the no volume line. That's that white line right next to the red field uh, across from the net. So you're covering the court sideways. You're also moving quickly forward and backwards. So if you have not the correct shoes, you get the toes get stuck, your ankle is twisted, you know, and yeah, it can sustain an injury for that. Another one is our glasses, because if you have sunglasses, that's great. If you have prescription glasses, that's great. But you want to protect your eyes because a lot of times when that ball comes towards you, it might come from the side and you can't see it, or it might come off the net, which is not anybody's fault, but it can cause some eye injury and you don't want that. So I'm really advocating for people to have to correct shoes, you know, have comfortable clothes, um, be prepared for the weather, dress appropriately, and also have safety classes. And that's a big thing right there. You know, do they, do you recommend visors? Because the sun can blind you. It seems like you're a little bit closer in distance that you don't have the distance that you do with the tennis that you could really utilize that. And also, I don't see that there's a, uh, the, a lot of the long swinging, sweeping motion of a tennis racket versus the shorter intenseness of a shorter racket and a shorter distance. Am I right in that assumption? That is correct. Um, so really what the movement is, it comes from your shoulder a lot. So you're moving from your shoulder and you're making small movements. So you're doing almost like in a 40, uh, 90 degree angle. So you go 45 to the right and 45 to the left. That's pretty much your playing range. Okay. Now the ball comes lower, you know, you're going to come lower, but you want to try to keep it in that range and the short movement is quicker. A lot of times when people volley, then the other one's trying to soften the game and reset the ball over the net. So the, the game can go really intense and really fast. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely important that, that you have the gear, the right gear on. Now with the visors, it's a personal preference. Okay. You know, some people do, some people don't. Um, it's not really needed. Some people say, hey, it's in my way if I get an overhead because it's so short of a court. Right. I don't like it, but it's personal preference. Uh, a couple other things really quick. As I'm going to ask you a little bit about the rules 
But okay. I also hear that they are looking to make this potentially an Olympic sport now. Yes, 2028 LA, it's the wow. goal. Yeah, um, I was part of the little, I was monitoring the, the, the development, a little, little stats for you. Like four years ago, about 4 million people played pickleball in the US. Now about 48 million play. Wow. Uh, before it was mainly in the US. Now it's in about 63 plus countries. Uh, before we had like one league. Now we have uh, many leagues, major leagues. Um, some other uh, sports enthusiasts bought teams to be in the major league. So wow. it's a big so dollar some, right now, they, right? They got some sponsorship and are these players potentially being able to get paid and make some money? Absolutely. They're now having a, a, a contract for years with a certain league. Uh, and then all, uh, you know, speaking of tennis, you know, your favorite Steffi Groff and uh, Agassi and, and, and others, uh, McEnroe, mm -hmm. um, have had that fun pickleball exchange. And now that's becoming an annual fundraiser. So, wow. you know, even, even um, Serena Williams likes it. So believe it or not, you know, I tennis is it. one thing, but pickleball is... Is, is, is growing, but also think about it. You said a slow sport. Now it's getting fast, right? Before, I'm telling you, they were aggressive. They, yes. they, they had that tennis grunt, you know. Mm, uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, they were serious about that. And, and, and they would just be so, you know, intense and the look on their face and the sweat. I was like, I thought this was just a nice little waffle ball game, like a badminton game or something like that. It, they're very, very aggressive. They love it. So now, just you know, kind of quick for those that don't play tennis, or those that don't play pickleball, or those that do, what are some of the stark differences outside of the size of the court? Well, I call it the multi generational game because the youngest I have seen playing was four, and the oldest I have playing have been seen playing is eighty nine. So this sport is simple. The rules are simple. You can play it at your own pace. You can, you know, I see a grandma playing with her grandkid or the whole family comes out with a stroller, with a picnic um, basket, a little sun umbrella and some beast chairs and they're hanging out for a couple hours on the court and they play together, have fun together. Now, you can take it as easy like the seniors did, you know, thinking over the court, having fun, socializing. And then you can see, oh, the, the, the younger ones, you know, the 17, 18 year olds, they're going at it because that testosterone is going. Exactly. Right? So, 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 yeah, the competition is on. The, the thing is fierce and the talk is the talk. <laughs> the difference is, I believe that I call it, it's not a boring game. Now, I'm not saying that tennis is boring. No. Tennis is a long game. You take a long time to learn it. It's a long time to build your skills. Pick a ball you can learn within an hour, right? You can learn the rules. You can learn the simple things. And then you can take it as far as you like. It's very social. A lot of times you can take your paddle like I do when I travel. I take my paddle with me. I take my ball with me, my shoes and my glasses. And then I can find the court. And people are like, do you want to play with us? Sure, it's very friendly. You know, it's 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 easy to play with others. And then the game is only 11 points, win by two. 
So you can play with different people. Like sometimes on the courts you see behind me, we have 12 courts. On Saturdays, all those courts are filled. They're from beginners to intermediate to advanced players. And then you say, hey, so-and-so, I want to play with you. Okay, let's play a game. And then the grandkids say, well, grandma, I want to play with you again. Okay, let's play the game. And so you interact with other people. You can you can improve your skills with drills and fun games and little little competitions or little events. And 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 you have that that social aspect, that friendliness, that openness. And and that's I think why it's so addictive. It's kind of three-dimensional chess on the court, but anybody can learn it, you know. People who are thought, oh, I never know anything about paddle sport. Well, tell us a really little excited. bit about the rules, though. Okay. So basically what happens is, say we're playing four people on the court, two on each side, right? The, the serving team, both of them stay behind the baseline, which is the, the white line on the end. The opposing team, the one being served to is like tennis, across the net. So the first server has zero points. Across the board, they have zero points. And then when you start a game, you're the second server. That's just part of the rule, right? Mm -hmm. So I call zero, zero, two. I'm starting to play my game. Now, you always have to play the ball underhandedly. You can't do the, you know, tennis mm. serve. So it's an underhand serve with certain rules. And then you play across. It has to clear the net. It can tip the net. But it has to fall into the green field across right okay. now if it touches the line on the outside it's still considered in that's good sportsmanship for call so you play the ball so you, i'm serving the ball zero zero two i'm serving the ball across the net to the opponent now the receiving team is one in the in the front and one in the back like in tennis and they're playing the ball back over to my side now the key is that the ball has to bounce one time on my side of serving before I can play it. And then the goal is for- Let me stop right there, because I didn't. I never see the, the ball bounce with these people. They just yeah. constantly, they constantly hit. So the ball needs to bounce? Yeah, so this, the rule is when you serve the ball and it comes back to you, the first game, the first ball has to bounce one time. Then you can play whatever you want to do. Okay. But it has to bounce one time. So say the ball comes over to our court, we let it bounce one time, and then both teams approach that red zone on the side of the net because that's where the game is being played. That's called the no volley zone, and which was referred to as the kitchen before, right? Mm -hmm. Because it basically says you can't be in that zone hitting a volley to smash it across because the short the, the court is short. So you play it out, and the serving team can make a point. So if you say you have a server, you don't make a point, it goes to the opponent because it's the first time that somebody's serving. So I say zero, zero, two, I play the point. We get a point. So I'm switching over to the other side of my court. My partner switches on this side and I'm serving again across to the other side until I don't get a point. And then it's side out. Then it goes to the cross team. And then the person says, okay, I have zero points, whatever points you have. I have zero points. Marion's team has one points and I'm the first server. So you always announce your own points first, then the other team's points um, second, and then you call if you're the first or second server. And then you keep on playing. And again, you can underhand serve, 
You can lift the ball and just dink it over the net, nice and easy, forehand or backhand. You can volley it. You can lob it over somebody's side. You know, you can you can really play any stroke. Now, some new players, they swing hard. You know, that ball goes over the net and they're like, ooh, you know. I think that the key is it's strategic. It's fast. And also it takes finesse because the softer you hold the paddle, the softer the ball comes. Now, I play with some guys and they are smacking that ball at me. And I'm like, whoo, okay. So instead <laughs> of going like, yeah, I'll show you and I'm hitting back. No, I'm going to ease that energy into my paddle and let the ball just jump softly across the net for them. That's called a reset, right? So when people are starting to hammer at you, you just soften your, your ball and you reset the ball. And the goal is to play to the weakness of your opponent. Okay. Now you can play to your, to your strengths, but my point is two things. Keep them back because the further back they are in their court, the harder it is for them to to smash the ball to get a point. Okay. Second of all, move the opponent around. Mm -hmm. If you move them to side to side, forward backwards, and keep them back, you know, play through their backhand, play to their hand. They don't like as much. Whatever they don't like, do as much as possible while you playing your game and playing towards their weaknesses. Wow. And you play consistent. And so it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of quick movement. It depends on who you play with, which is the greatness of this game. Right. You play with so many different people, with so many different ages, with so many different abilities, and it's fun. You know, we laugh a lot. Sometimes I laugh about myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just played this ball, right? I look like I've never played pickleball, right? And next thing I know, they're like, hey, high five, and let's do it. And you're building each other up. And next thing you know, you know, you were maybe down 10 points and you can still turn it around and win that game. Now, you know, I used to uh, go a lot to the wheelchair tennis tournaments here. Okay. Absolutely phenomenal what these individuals that we think are disabled can do on a tennis court. I can imagine what they could do on a pickleball court. Yes. And I have seen it in action. Actually, um, they're the wounded soldiers who had a pro, uh, project at one of those pickleball tournaments I attended to. And so they have a whole uh, array of abilities and, and, and help people to play and, and teach them to play. And there's actually a specialty course you can take as an instructor to do pickleball. Uh, it's pickleball plus one. So you have people who are playing in the wheelchair or having a handicap playing with an able body. Uh, so there are different rules to play. And so uh, it's great. Literally, you know, I've seen people walk really softly and, you know, difficult on the court and then they're on the court and the magic happens, magic. you know, and they got off the court. They're like, oh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's on the court. The magic happens. And so a lot of people love it because you feel good. You yeah. move, you feel good. You feel accomplished. You did a little bit better. You, you had a great laugh. It's a lot of cardio. Yes. And, and it's good for your muscles too, for your legs and your arms. It really builds a lot of muscle. I forgot to ask this though. What is the scoring like? And I want to also ask you, where did they come up with the scoring for tennis? Zero, 15, love, 45. What what is that all about? Well, I think, you know, in tennis, when you when you score a certain way, um, 
when I call that those numbers, it's just a way of keeping track of the of the sequence, right? In pickleball, it's different. It's just kind of kind of one to eleven, right? Win by two. Sometimes I had games there were eighteen to sixteen. You know, it just goes up. Now the, the thing is, this unusual play or rec play, as we call it, uh, there are certain rules you play. Now, if you play professional pickleball, there might be different scoring, uh, what we call rally scoring. Uh, like MLP is now the ma the, the, the major league, league pickleball. And um, so it doesn't matter who scores, um, you make a point, right? So you don't have to serve to make a point. Um, and so it's a faster scoring and it goes to 21. And then if there's a tie break to 15. So there's different rules for different things. And that's another thing. It's like, you know, I might be go to a tournament and they have one format. And like say, win two out of two out of three, play to eleven, win by two. Now it starts raining. Oh, wait a minute, we're changing the format to fifteen, uh, win by one. Oh no, we're changing it. It's rally scoring. You know, in rally scoring, you don't have to uh, switch around, right? You don't switch your partners around. Okay. So there are other there are other different things which keeps it interesting. And so uh, for the newbie, when they look at, at, at the format as a, as a tournament on television, they're like, well, that's not how I play, you know, because it's different rules for different for different leagues. Oh. But in red play, it's 11 win by two. Okay. So, all right. So there's some versatility in that too. That's Absolutely. Cool. Yes. So now um, let's ask you some other fun questions. If you were a football player, what position would you play? Oh, I have to admit, I have been in the States for a long time, but football is not my game. So um, to be honest with you, I like to lead. I would be the quarterback. Be the quarterback? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, don't tell me much. I can't tell you much about it. I just know that, you know, he makes the game, he makes the call, and we're going. And that's me. I kind of like this uh, this title, so I'd be the tight end. <laughs> <laughs> if you were an appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be, Miriam? Appliance in the kitchen. Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. I don't know. I probably will be a refrigerator. Yeah. I feel like I keep everything together, nicely organized, make everybody happy when they go in there and get out what they want and I stay nice and cool in the summer. I could see you being the Vitamix. <laughs> <laughs> because you put everything together in there, you mix it all up. You can have ice cream or you can have soup. You got a variety, it speeds it up really fast. I can see you maybe being a Vitamix. Like, that could be too. Okay. Yep, I'm certainly, I'm certainly always good for for mixing everybody up and making everybody shake around and change and and get better. Absolutely. So, yep, that's a good one. Now, you being uh, an occupational therapist and also being an athlete, tell us about maybe some things that we should incorporate in our diet to keep us going you know of course we, we know the fruits and vegetables but do you do like wheat germ or do you do kombucha or do you do uh uh other supplements and things like that to really kind of keep your body at 
it's maximum because it's a you know you you're burning a lot of calories and you're um, really depleting yourself sometimes and dehydrating in major sports. What what's your opinion on that? Well, I certainly uh, like to what we call it in Germany um, cook it from scratch, right? Good ingredients. I do as much organic as I can. Um, I like to hydrate a lot because you have to hydrate at least two days before you do a major event. A lot of people are dehydrated and don't know that. Um, and then when they start playing sports, they can get dizzy or feel not so good. You know, um, I do my vitamins, uh, my minerals. Um, I don't want to name any brands right now because oh, that would be you. good. <laughs> thank you, pardon. No, I said thank you. You know, but that, but it's good. You know, supplements are important. There's a mixed bag in that. Some people say, "Oh no, I don't." You know, I don't want to be bothered with with supplements or vitamins. But I find that they they help me. They help. Well, me. I use I use the kind of um, supplements who are from the direct fruit. It's just kind of like um, frosted, and the, the sugar is not in there. So you have all the minerals and vitamins and everything in there, all the goodies without the sugar without the uh, other additives so that's one thing and another thing is a good protein you have to have good protein source that so sense. that's that's my key i think um you know and another thing as 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 it always goes you know you hydrate you sleep a lot you do your mind game i think a lot of times you know people forget about the body mind spirit connection and so you know what you put in there is is what comes out and the better food you put in there the more hydration you put in there the more good stuff you put in there in your mind um and prep prep you for it um the better you know it's not just the nutrition of food but what you put all in your senses in your body will will make you better one percent better makes the winner some encouragement to people over 60 oh reason they you know they get lazy and i have to tell myself you know one times i i don't want to work out i don't want to go out but then i tell myself and i put it in perspective of how many people are not able how many people wish they could just get up out of bed and walk to the bathroom when i can walk around the corner when i can play pickleball when i can do those things so now I reward myself as these exercise routines or activities as a gift, not as a punishment, um, you know, or, you know, it's a stress reliever for your mind. A lot of people can, you know, sometimes I hit that tennis ball girl and I could tell you some things I'd be thinking. <laughs> I'm surprised it don't go right through the wood, you know, but again, you are able to renew and refresh. And then afterwards, you appreciate the exhaustion. You appreciate yes. the breath. The breath is a gift. What would you say to a person that's over 60 right now that's just struggling to move? Well, I think it starts with your desire and decision, right? Nobody can make you move if you don't want to. You have to have a compelling um, reason why to do that. So it might be your health. It might mean you're meeting up with your friend to go for a walk. I think having a body system, like somebody to do it with, is the greatest thing you can do. I think doing something yourself and setting yourself in a routine takes a lot of discipline. A lot of people don't necessarily do that, right? Uh, but if you have somebody say, uh, April, you want to come for a walk tomorrow morning and we'll just chat along what, you know, how was your trip to Hawaii? 
right? And the next thing you know, you talk about the wine, you're walking down the street and it's half an hour done. You're like going back, you did a little loop and you feel better, right? The next one's saying, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go pick a ball. You know, I, I look on my little pick a ball app with my phone and somebody says, hey, you want to pick a ball court? Uh, 4.30 today. I'm like, sure, I'm coming. Anybody else coming? Well, so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, it could be somebody who's new, right? They're just stepping on the court. They don't have a paddle. I bring an extra paddle. We do it. And so um, people are going to start, you know, playing the ball over there, throwing the ball over there, doing a little bit of side movement, have a little conversation. Hey, you know, after the point, you high five, bring your paddle tap and say, good job. And they're like, you know what? That wasn't too bad. And I feel good. Absolutely. You know, and 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 then you can go from there. You know, you can just meet up. Hey, sometimes people meet up, they play one game, and the rest of them they sit and chat. You right. know, or they're like, hey, you're you be out. yeah, you want to come out and, and go go um go for a cup of coffee afterwards, right? And people do that. I think what what is you have to establish or got to establish a routine, what makes you feel better, right? It can be just standing in your yard and you're taking deep breaths in and out and you do, you know, arms up, arm down, couple this, couple that. And that's okay. I think any movement, any movement will create a better feeling, an emotional happiness in a way. You don't have to go and do hours and hours and this and that. Now, if you want to go to the gym and that floats your boat, go ahead and do it, right? But I think what happens is you do something you get into a routine and then you add something to it. Mm -hmm. If you do 18 minutes of something a day, within a year, you're better than 98% of the population. Whoa, 18 minutes a day. You know, why wouldn't you want to do something? You know, I mean, I'm trying to learn something new. 18 minutes a day. I got a little bike peddler up under my desk because I'm constantly sitting at the computer. So when I'm editing, I combine two habits. I've got to get the editing done, but I know that if it's a 45 minute show, then I've been pedaling for 45 minutes and I feel really good about it. I've yeah, and some movement. So that's- yes, And walking is the simplest one, right? Walking is the simplest one. You know, I have done something like, you know, when I had, you know, television and, 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 and use television, I do in the commercials. I just got up, walked up and down my stairs. Every commercial, it's a long commercial, I'll tell you if you go up and down the stairs. So then I was like, let's just not go up and down the stairs. Just go back and forth in the house. So walk back and forth in the house during every commercial, right? Or the next thing you do a couple sit-ups or the next one you do a couple crunches or the next one you do a couple of this. Well, guess what? You're right there. You're not going anywhere. What people think though, is that they have to do it you know, consistently. And I had to break myself of that habit. Okay, there has to be a strict, you know, 30 to 45 to one hour workout. But Mm -hmm. if you do it incrementally, Mm -hmm. the body will probably appreciate a lot more and you can get a lot more done at the sink. Now I'll do my push-ups. Right. I'm, you know, I'm right there. Uh, When I'm cooking, you know, I will, you know, do other exercise. When I'm gardening, Mm-hmm. I realize how much strength it takes and how exhausted I was from just picking a few weeds and transplanting a few pots. So tell my brains how to get in contact with you, Miriam, because you are teaching pickleball online. Fascinating. Yes. 
So the best way right now to get a hold of me is uh, via email, and it's pickleballmastery at gmail.com. So it's P-I-C-K-L-E-B-A-L-L-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y, pickleballmastery at gmail.com. And that way I can respond to you because if I'm on the court, then, you know, it takes a couple of minutes for me to, to check on my email. Um, but, you know, I'm, there, there are things in the work. I can't talk about it now, but I'm, I'm trying to expand it. And, and um, yeah, you, hear, you will hear about it, but it's, it's, in, it's, in the, it's in the works, but it's not taken care of yet. So um, yeah, well, we don't, want, we don't want to steal your thunder. But we definitely want to hear your roar. So when you your time and you're ready to do it, please let us know so that we can market and promote it. Because brains, I'm telling you, it's all the rage. Everybody is doing the pickleball. And if again you are not, you know, an athlete and you don't want to do it, it's great for the conversation. That is stimulating. That's moving another muscle, the muscle in your mind. Thank you, Miriam, for all that you do. Uh, I just adore, you know, your enthusiasm and how you've been able to go from one sport to another to another and still be very vivacious, but also work on the other side of that and help people uh, recover from, you know, injuries or, you know, just debilitation over time and degeneration of the body. Thank you so much for being here on the edge. Brains, we'll get you a tennis court, a basketball, a tennis ball, a waffle ball, do something, okay? Do something. Get some sort of exercise every day and count it all joy because it is a gift to be able to move. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, April. Bye, Brains. Bye.